All right, James chapter 5. We're going to kind of dig in a little bit deeper from this morning's message. And uh, maybe some of it's, you got it? Maybe some of it's going to be reviewed for you. Um, but uh, hopefully digging in just, just a little bit deeper. And also testing how well you listen this morning. So anyway, um, James chapter 5, uh, verses 7 through verse 11. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits uh, for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, uh, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Well, um, tonight I want us to do a, a little bit of a, of a Greek. I, I don't want to do this very often, but every now and then we, we, I want you to see some stuff with the Greek here. And so we got some Greek letters up there. Um, some have suggested that maybe that looks like a chicken got some ink on its foot and jumped up there and walked across. But Greek is not really that way. Hebrew, it definitely is, but Greek is not. Um, but the, these, this is actually the, the first uh, bit of, of uh, James 5, verse 7. And um, so our resident Greek scholar, <laughs> ask, him, ask him about it, but this, this word, uh, uh, macro... Close enough? Yeah. And that is the word, which is the first word in our English translations there, to uh, be patient. It's, um, it's in the plural, so it's you guys, be patient, right? That's uh, kind of the southern, that would be the southern translation. You guys, y'all not southern. You guys? That's Chicago. Now that's you guys. You all. Y'all. Okay. All right. Y'all. Y'all. Yeah, yeah. Y'all. Uh, Y'all. Y'all be patient. Yeah. Now, as you recall, this morning I mentioned to you that the 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 very the root of this word is not found very often in ancient Greece. Uh, in ancient Greek, it's just it's not there very much, and it's made up of two different words. Um, <coughs> first one, I said Marcos this morning, but it's actually Mark A. Or Mark Ray. Mark A. I think something like that. And um, the second word then that it's made up from, where is it? Thumos. what that th so this is a compound word and it's made up of these two different words who knows what uh, mark a uh, macro I get it right here far away okay so it's it's actually away a, a uh, there's a, I said far away this yeah. morning there's another word that you have to put in there for far away but uh, very good so away and the thumos anger Anger, yeah. 
And so the idea of the patience here is what? Putting away anger. Putting, putting away anger. And so when we say the word um, patience, um, we don't necessarily always think of putting away anger, do we? It's just like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take my time. We can use it. But, but this, this has the idea of putting away anger. So patience here, sometimes patience means putting away anger too for us, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's, but that's the idea here. So uh, here the idea is, is he's saying, y'all, right, put away anger. And then the next word, un, then, or therefore, therefore uh, the NIV translates it then, all right? Now, whenever you see, you probably heard this before, whenever you see in scripture a therefore, you're supposed to see what it's there for, right? Now, what does, what does that usually involve when it says therefore? Yeah, yeah, you're looking, you're looking before, pretty much. Because he, he makes a statement, he says, now, because of this, therefore, so, therefore, uh, here, it's having to do with putting away anger, therefore, or then, why would they be angry? Those rich were persecuting them. The rich are persecuting them, right? So they're getting persecution here. Um, because in the, in the first six verses of chapter 5, who's he talking to? The rich. Uh, he says, uh, now listen, you rich people, right? Now listen, you rich people. And he doesn't, he doesn't uh, he's basically saying you're going to be judged. Judgment of God is coming on you because you've, you've done all this thing. You, you've not paid the wages to your workers. You've uh, uh, done all these uh, terrible things. Um, <clears throat> you basically thought that you've, you've been self-indulgent. You've fattened yourself for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered innocent men who are not opposing you. This doesn't sound like he's speaking to Christians, does it? No, it doesn't. So the... the, the, the uh, it seems like this is the only place in the whole book where he's not addressing brothers, right? But here he goes, y'all have patience here. Therefore, because of all this stuff, so he sees the, the audience is changing at this point. It was to you rich people who were going to be condemned. Now it's y'all, and then the word Adelphoi, which means... Anyone? Brothers. Brothers. Adelphoi. Huh? Yeah, that's an, an, an alpha. So, it's a... It's a... Round it up. One of those. Yeah, it's an alpha. So, um, uh, so Adelphoi is brothers. So, that's who he's talking to. So, y'all... <coughs> Be patient, therefore, brothers. All right. So the audience has changed. This is this is who we're we're talking to. Put away anger. Uh, put put away your anger. That is the whole idea behind this patience. Um, 
What would they be angry about? Especially maybe when you remember this. What would they be angry about? Who would they be angry at? That's what the two. They're angry at the rich people. Why would they be angry at the rich people? Being mistreated and persecuted. They mistreated and persecuted them. And it didn't necessarily have to be the rich people. It could have been others because we've seen, you know, uh, them having a lot of trials uh, in the book of James. It even starts with that, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you uh, face trials of many kinds and so on. Um, and so you might be, especially if someone is causing that to happen to you, if uh, someone is uh, confiscating your stuff and, and condemning and murdering you, and your loved ones and so on. So it would be very easy to be quite angry at them, wouldn't it? And in the context here, he says, put away anger, have patience here, okay? Who else might they, might, might they be upset at? God? Yeah, why would they be upset with God? Because he's not he moving fast enough. <laughs> He didn't make me rich. And, and another thing, we've been praying about this, and he's certainly not moving very fast, is he? He's awfully slow. Right? What did Peter say about God's slowness? <laughs> not, not in the way that we count. You know, God doesn't have the same necessarily timetable as we do. Um, and so there might be um, some people being upset with God as well. Now, um, so they could be mad at the rich and at God. Now, if they are upset with the rich, if this isn't their response, what is their response going to be, possibly? We didn't necessarily go into this this morning. If you're upset with the rich because of the way they're treating you, or whoever is mistreating you, what's your attitude? Revenge. Revenge. I'm going to get you back. Right? Any of you ever think that way? Somebody wronged you? Yeah. You ever stay awake at night thinking about what you're going to say to them the next time that comes up? You know, it's bothering you. They're, they're sound asleep, right? But it's bothering you, so you're thinking, I'm, this, next time I got the perfect comeback, right? I'm going to get them back. Or maybe uh, thinking about other ways you get them back. So, um, revenge could, especially if we're, we're thinking about those who are mistreating us, revenge, I think, could definitely be a part of the equation. What does God say about revenge? Vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Okay? And so, it's, it, we're not supposed to do this. So, we got to put away that anger because it will cause us to want to seek revenge, I think. Did you say that or did you say what till the light comes up? We'll get you back. We'll vote you out of office. Right. Um, now, so, so if the, uh, if we're, we're putting away uh, anger for the others, if we don't do that, we're seeking revenge, right? We can, we can definitely want to do that. If our anger uh, is turned towards God because he's letting us go through this stuff and we've been praying for him to deliver us from this stuff, but it's still happening, what might our attitude be towards God? Resentment. Resentment? 
How, how might that, in, in our lives, how might we uh, act on that resentment? Back away. Back away. I mean, you know, no prayer, no, no reading, you know, right. things that we would normally do. I'll show we you. just stop doing it. Right, right. And we can resent God. Um, that's that's uh, that's probably more what any of us in this room might do. But what about more extreme cases? What might happen? Just leave the faith altogether. Uh, yeah, apostasize. Leave the faith. You're not. You're not. I tried God. I tried Jesus. He didn't work for me. I tried him a long time, and he just wouldn't work for me. <laughs> so, I'm not trying that anymore. I'm going to be fooled by that again. Um, one of these, um, the, the, the movie, uh, God is Not Dead. Did any of y'all ever see that? The student uh, goes, goes to college, and one of his first classes is an introductory philosophy class, and the professor is a big atheist. And um, so there, there's a, they have a uh, contest between the student and the professor, you know, to discuss the, the reality of God because the professor wanted all the students to sign a, sign a piece of paper on the first day saying God is dead and he wouldn't do it and so they get in this contest. But in, in the classroom discussions at one point, the professor becomes so angry at uh, this, this student because he can't convince him that God is dead. And um, so the student winds up asking him, why are you so angry? at this one that you say is dead. And he obviously is, you see the stuff he's doing. Did any of you see that movie? I, okay, you saw it. Do you remember what was the source of that professor's anger at God? I think his child had died, right? His mother had died Death when he was a child. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was 14 year old and, and his uh, mother got deathly ill with cancer and he pr and you know she had always taken him to church and everything and he prayed and prayed and prayed believing God to deliver her from it and she didn't and he became so angry and so resentful at God that he completely left the faith and determined that he was going to um, for, you know uh, live his life in an attempt to pull anyone else away from the faith that he could. He became so angry with God because God didn't deliver to him what he had prayed for. Um, I've never understood atheists as far as if they don't believe in God, why do they want to pressure us into their belief? Why don't they just say, hey, you suckers, go ahead and believe what you want. Right, right. But they don't do that. No. It's, it's because they're angry about it, and uh, they, they really can't do that. And the, this, this kid points this out to the professor, and there's one scene where he's having this discussion with him in class, and when he says that, why, why, do, you hate the, why do you hate so much the God you say doesn't exist? <laughs> so um, that kind of destroyed him. But anyway, um, so it, it could... You know, if we do not uh, put away this anger, especially because we're going through things and we've prayed about it and asked God to, uh, to take care of it and he's not doing it, it can cause us a lot of problems. But if we would put away any 
idea of even being angry with God because he's not answering our prayers. Well, that's part of what I think he's, he's telling us here. Um, and so um, to, to keep this sort of thing from happening. Um, how does he, um, what does he encourage us to do uh, in this being at, at peace with it? Verse 9, there are a couple of things he tells us. Uh, one's a positive thing and the other's a negative thing that we're to do in regards to uh, being at peace. Don't grumble against one another. Don't grumble against one another, right? Don't say it's your fault. You ever fly off the handle at somebody and you know you shouldn't and, and you have to come back and say, I'm sorry, it's just been a rough day, I'm so tired. Is that a good excuse? <laughs> we, we get upset that things aren't going our way, we get tired and it's so easy to blame you know, for me to blame you guys, just do better. Um, anyway, my life would be so much easier. Um, <laughs> that's just just not the way it, it, it happens, is it? And uh, or it shouldn't happen. We shouldn't be grumbling against each other uh, when things aren't going our way and blaming uh, these sorts of things on each other. What else does he tell us specific? Well, and, and we shouldn't be grumbling against God either, right? certainly shouldn't be grumbling against God, which maybe sometimes we do in our prayers. Lord, I prayed about this. I've done this and this and this, and you're still not delivering. Anyway, um, and so we're not to grumble against God or against each other. It says something else there in verse 9 that we're supposed to do. I think maybe it's verse 8. Yeah, it's verse 8. I'm sorry. Establish your heart. Establish your heart. Stand firm. Um, be patient. Stand firm. <coughs> Uh, the, the NIV says stand firm establishing your heart um, what's the idea with that what's it mean to establish your heart or stand firm rooted grounded not moving yeah, yeah. How, what do we have to be thinking of in order to, to do that? And I think this is some of what the, the, the big point that James is pointing out to us here and pointing out to them. What do we have to be thinking of in order to stand firm at this point? God's grace, his mercy, his love. Remember, remember these things. But especially verse 7, verse 8, and verse 9, you see something. What's coming? What's what's happening here? What's he saying? God's coming back. God's coming back. God's coming back. Um, it's going to happen. What's going to happen when God comes back? Judgment. Judgment. <laughs> right? Are these folks going to get away with doing this sort of stuff all their life and treating you and treating God's children any way they want to? Who's whose is the vengeance? God, God, and he's going to take care of that matter, isn't he, when he comes back, um, is what he says uh, uh, the end of verse 9, the judge is standing at the door, um, and he's talking to them and warning, uh, you know, about uh, grumbling against each other, because if you do, you're going to be judged, but he says the judge is standing at the door, he's already told um, those <clears throat> in the uh, when he's condemning the rich oppressors in the first six verses, he reminds them, in a sense, that uh, 
that the Lord's going to judge them. He says in, in the end of verse 4, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Um, and said, you, you have fattened yourselves in the day of, of slaughter. And so on. He says, God's heard it. And he's going to judge. Can, can we leave these matters in, in God's hand? It, should it be a comfort to us to know that justice will be done? Yeah, it should be. Absolutely. I loved the, uh, the illustration I, I read to you this morning um, about, you know, if you've got, a, if you've got an, il an illness and you, you might be thinking, this is terminal, and you go see the doctor and he goes, oh no, there's some medicine that'll take care of this. And so you get the medicine and you still feel rotten, but you know the doctor says this is 100%, you're going to be fine. Makes, makes, makes a lot different, doesn't it? Thinking, I'm never going to get through this. Instead of saying, well, there's going to be steady progress and I'm going to get through it. Um, and that's uh, kind of, I think, with knowing that God is going to return and he's going to set things right. It should be an encouragement to us that uh, the, the, the God, the judge, is coming. He's going to set things right. And that's the reason he's encouraging these people, even in these times in their lives and all that they're going through, um, to remember that Jesus is coming. His coming is near. That's kind of a difficult thing for us, isn't it? We think near means in the next five or ten minutes. Jesus talks about his return would be close. Paul talks about his coming being close. The author of Hebrews talks about his coming being close. Peter talks about his coming being close. The first chapter in Revelation talks about his coming being near. What's that all about? God's version of near is very different than ours. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could very well be. Why, why are we always encouraged with the idea of it being near? Because there will be an end. Huh? There will be an end. There, there will be an end. And how should that make us live with the thought of it being near? Like today's last day. Yeah, it's, it's right now. He's coming. If you knew he was coming um, tonight, where would you be? Right, right here? Right in there? But if you thought he really wasn't coming, it, it kind of can keep you maybe sometimes thinking along the right path. I don't want God catching me doing that. <laughs> I don't want him catching me talking that way. I don't want him catching me skipping church, you know, so I can go uh, worship myself some way by enjoying good things that he's given us. Um, I think the whole idea of the nearness, he's, Jesus says he comes like a thief in the night. And we ought to, even in the midst of all of these, these troubles and trials, be encouraged in knowing that his, his coming is imminent. That's a good thing. We may, we, you know, every one of us in this room may pass away before he comes. And yet it is still, we, we live with the idea that it is, it is still near. He gives us uh, some examples of, uh, he, he gives the examples of those who uh, have had this kind of patience. The, uh, the, the prophets, he says, uh, take for example the prophets. Uh, 
We mentioned uh, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, this morning. I have plans for you, not to harm you, you know, do good. And yet, Jeremiah goes through all of this, this stuff. His own, own family even forsakes him, throw him in a pit. Pit pit, by the way, it's one of those, it's one of the worst kinds of pits, it's the pit pit that he gets thrown into. But um, Daniel, you know, you can imagine, they're gonna throw me in the lion's den because I'm faithful to the Lord. As he's walking closer, he's maybe thinking, God, you know, aren't you going to deliver me from this? I was faithful to you, but, but he did deliver him. We, we know that. Um, but I think his example of Job is just wonderful. His example of Job is going through so much and would have been so easy for him, I think, to lash out in anger against his counselors that come to him. He doesn't really lash out at him. He does say, you know, you, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and, and they don't. Um, and it would have, it seems to be so easy to lash out at God as his wife tells him, curse God and die. Um, but he says, you know, the Lord gives. The Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. But I think especially in Job 19. In Job 19, he... He, uh, he's doing what James is telling us to do here, right? Job 19, he's got all this stuff going on in his life, and yet he's remembering that this is not the end. And he's remembering the good end that's going to happen. And so Job 19, verse 25 and 26. I know that my Redeemer lives, and that in the end he will stand upon the earth. I'm going through all this now, but he's coming back. He lives, and he's going to stand on the earth, and I'm going to be there, verse 26, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another, how my heart yearns within me. <laughs> what was he taking comfort from? fact that God is going to return as, he, as he's told us and that he's going to make it right. So when we're uh, when, when others are uh, we think abusing us um, when uh, life, maybe the circumstances of life are really tough and we want to lash out in anger at somebody or at even at God? No. No, the idea here is to be patient. Put away, put away that anger. Look to God. Look to the promises. How many, how many times uh, is it talked about, we said in the New Testament, about Jesus' return? 300. 300, 300 yeah, probably 300 and something. 300 something times talked about Jesus' return. All but two books. In the New Testament, talk about it. Philemon and Third John, yeah, all the rest of the books, the New Testament talk about Jesus' return. It's going to happen, and uh, so we need to have the confidence, even in the midst of trials and persecution, hardships, when when people are are uh, trying to do us harm and so on. Let's remember, the Lord's coming back, and uh, even as Job finds great comfort in that in the midst of his trials, we need to find comfort. Okay, well, let me pray.